Welcome to the Carrero Podcast. Before we get started today, we would like to inform our listeners that Carrero is supported by edX Global. It's an international nonprofit where we work with K-12 students as they work with their local and global communities, providing service learning activities. In 2022, we are asking for your support in raising $20,000. It is to assist our students and their activities in creating gardens for schools and communities, purchasing and delivering blankets for the homeless, providing curriculum for teachers across the world, purchasing backpacks and filling them with educational items for students in need, and collecting and delivering food and toiletry items for the local homeless organizations. You can donate with Venmo using at edacts-global, or you can go to our website, which is www.edxglobal.org, spelled edacts G-L-O-B-A-L dot org and donate. We appreciate your support. Thank you. Hi, you're listening to the Carrero Podcast. I'm Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Dr. Lelimia Irvine is, is Kupukaina, a lineal descendant from the Aboriginal families that sprouted out of the land of Hawaii. Notably, Dr. Irvine is the first Native Hawaiian Kaina to earn a PhD in any engineering discipline at UH Manoa, and is the first appointed physics faculty at University of of Hawaii, West Oahu. In general, his research interests involve water in indigenous knowledge, STEM education nexus. Specifically, his research thrives on interdisciplinary collaborations with a special focus on indigenous grounded STEM-oriented education, water, sustainability, and natural and biological applications and implications of environmental physics. Hi, Lele Mia. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, We're so happy to have you joining us uh, on our podcast. So in your bio, you stated that you were the first Native Hawaiian, is it Kane, Kane, to earn a PhD in engineering uh, the discipline. Um, Can you tell us you know, what that experience was like, if there was like added pressure and how that might have felt mm-hmm. and how you might have um, been able to overcome those obstacles. Ui, aloha mai, Malia, aloha, Fred. Um, yes, I'm from, I'm a kupuka aina, I'm a lineal descendant from the Aboriginal peoples that sprouted out of the land of Kane. Kane um, is one of the four main male gods um in the hawaiian pantheon and um kane also means male so i'm a kane that's how i identify myself we have three different genders um kane wahine and mahu um but mahu is very diverse as well so um i view myself as a kane i went to the university of hawaii at maanoa from my undergrad all the way through my phd um I'm from Waianae, and I went to the Hoku Elementary, then Waianae Intermediate, and I was very fortunate to 
get into the Kamehameha Schools Kapalama campus, and I'm a proud graduate of Kamehameha Schools. After I didn't know what I, I did know what I wanted to do, and I um, thanks to teachers before me and investing and seeing something in me that I may have not seen in myself. So in eighth grade and in intermediate, um, I asked my uh, biology teacher, Mr. Thomas, and I thank him so much for everything, um, for planting the seed, because I said, I'm really good at math and biology. What should I do? And he goes, do bioengineering. I had no idea what engineering was. And he goes, because I did um, science fair with him and thought of a of a project and oh, and and so I got to work with him and I I wondered what um, how TVs the micro the radiation from TVs would affect the growth and germination of maize of corn and so we did a little project and I got all the way to the states and it was just really cool to go through the scientific method and scientific process. And I really enjoyed doing the experiments and the hands-onness of it. And I just always had a fascination of um, and with and to do makahana ka'ike, um, learn by doing um, the sciences because we're natural scientists as kanaka, as Hawaiians. And so um, that was really my first introduction. And then I got into Kamehameha schools um, when I graduated, I come from very humble beginnings um, um, in terms of my family. Um, I am Hawaiian Latino, so my Hawaiian comes from my father. My Latino or roots come from my mother. I speak both my languages, so I do speak Spanish fluently. I speak, um, have a command of the Hawaiian language and still learning, um, as well as pidgin and then English, Hawaiian Carol English, um, as well as the um, American English version of how Hawaii is in occupied Hawaii. And so um, I did my, so they did have a biological engineering program at Manoa. And so I decided to go to Manoa. I applied to three schools because at Kamehameha they gave you three tuition waivers. Mm. If you had come from a low economic background, so I had to decide very um, strategically. So I, I took AP economics my senior year and really, and I did another science, a social science project um, with M&Ms. Um, <laughs> I think it was M&Ms. <laughs> the name was M&M. I have the project somewhere. Uh, and, um, it's, it's about opportunity cost okay. and um, the willingness to pay for something. And so... Um, and I also wrote a paper about traffic issue um, in Hawaii because I come from the west side and we have to travel into town in Honolulu a lot for economic. So I was traveling back and forth to town. And so I wanted to think of integrative ways um, to uh, exact, you know, to lessen the, uh, the traffic problems. So. You can tell I, I had, I'm starting to have a, uh, an engineering mindset, which was, you know, solving real world problems, helping people. And I didn't know that until um, I, I didn't even know what engineering was until I started to go to school. Um, but I was really blessed. I got three choices to go to school. So I went, 
I applied to Hanover College in Indiana. Um, I got in on a, and I applied to, as a, a flute major and a math major, and I got a flute scholarship. And it's nothing to them, mind you, this is like 2002, 2003, because I graduated 2003. Um, I did not understand what the financial aid package was as a first-generation student. Yeah. And so, um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, we're up in Hawaii. You have to wake up very early to call the continental United States um, because, and so making even a phone call to Indiana is expen- it was expensive at the time in 2003. And I just didn't know if that was a perpetual scholarship. Or, I got a flute scholarship for 20-something thousand dollars, I believe. And then I was going to major in math. Then I applied for economics at Boston University, but never got a response back. So I was like, okay. So <laughs> That's all. Last, <laughs> last but not least, I but not least, is I applied to University of Hawaii at Maunoa for their biological engineering program at the College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources, and I got in. And then, um, this was like April, probably around April or May of 2003, and my mom called the office and the office um, yanked me out of class and said, my mom's like, you know, the CTAR called, they have a program for Hawaiians. They wanted to know if you're Hawaiian um, and the application's due today. So um, I gave you permission to proxy my signature. <laughs> wow. She said forage, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bless the legal if you say proxy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so I, I proxied her signature with her permission, and um, and I there was it's called um, the fast track program, food, agriculture, science, and technology program, combined with Napuna El. Um, Napuna El, they they're based in Hilo, um, but also have um, it's a uh, it's a program for gifted and talented Native Hawaiian students. And we it's our belief in, in Hawaii that every child that is born is gifted and talented. We just mm-hmm. don't know what their gift is or what wow. their talent is. And that office is for Native Hawaiian, Kanaka, Native Hawaiian students serving. And it's geared K through 12. And they're based at every single campus um, throughout the 10 campus system of the University of Hawaii um, to encourage um, the students to get familiar with the university, that this is their home and they're welcome here and have a sense of belonging because um, that's a very um, important thing when we talk about persistence for students um, um, getting in and then completing their degrees. And so then I got into biological engineering, which is the first major um, ever offered at the University of Hawaii, Manoa. It was rebranded from agricultural systems engineering or agricultural engineering. We're a land grant, sea grant, space grant, ocean grant school. So the roots started in 1907. And so I didn't learn these things until the first two years they had a 100 level course bioengineering 100 some may have a different little name 100 something taught by dr daniel jenkins and it was laying out what is biological engineering 
and dispelling misconceptions and stereotypes about my major. And then I found out, oh, cool. I don't need to be a, I can be a doctor of anything. I don't have to be a a medical doctor because I thought that's what I wanted to go into because I realized I can't stand the sight of blood. And the other (laughs) thing is I really love people too much that I'm going to cry every time someone gets sick or everything. And so to learn that there's different career pathways, that that education is ongoing because for some people they're enlightened because of their family um, circumstances. And then I got into research um, very early on by first working in a Drosophila lab, a fruit fly lab, and being a dishwasher um, with, with Dr. Stevens, I believe his name. Um, and then from there, I make my mom's always taught me to make friends with people. And so um, the sanitary um, engineer, the person that cleans up and takes care of the facilities, I talk story with her because she's Mexican and speaks Spanish. So practicing Spanish, all of a sudden she goes, do you want to go to Costa Rica? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but looking for students to go to Costa Rica. And then I, I at the same time, I was applying to go study abroad with Dr. Rosie Catherine to go to Costa Rica Earth University, wow. or actually the Earth. And so I got the Benjamin A. Gilman Fellowship to go to Earth. And then before I went that semester in 2005, the fall, that summer, I went um, as the first cohort in the NAPIRE program, Native American Pacific Islander Research Experience. That experience alone opened my eyes to research, like what it meant to be a Kanaka going abroad um, to a different nation, and then what it meant to experience. um, It's not only research, but it's practice Mm -hmm. and praxis and research and academia and scholarship, engaged community scholarship. I just was like, I love it. And so that's where I fell into um, my field of study of doo-doo water. So I study waste, wastewater management. That's what I got into. And then I found a lab to work for um, through the Mark U. Star program, Minority Access Research Careers program, which is through McNair program. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. um, I, I did research every um, long term and fell into my um, advisor, um, Dr. Pingyi Yang. Um, he's Taiwanese, but um, a now retired professor, I was his last student um, through my master's program. And I love him because he goes, I take, <coughs> like my um, field of study and biological treatment of um, water and wastewater and solid waste, um, but mainly biomass, but waste and wastewater. He goes, I take all the leftover students that people don't want. <laughs> it's really true. Because um, it's not easy. It's I, I have to say it's much harder to get um, your degree in your homeland um, because of um, a lot of thing of because of inherited histories. Yeah. And um, colonization, occupation. Actually, it's really a prolonged occupation of the um, American government in Hawaii. And Asian settler colonialism, um, the dominant uh, the dominant race is um, non-white, 
body and it's Asian. So those dynamics are much more different than in continental United States. And so um, a lot of times people think, say that you don't belong. And um, thank God that I have my family. I have my faith um, to keep me grounded to who I am. Because um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was not easy. But thank God that I um, had a system of people um, around me, and it wasn't from engineering. Um, bioengineering was okay, and then I got into my um, PhD program at civil engineering. And that was um, a very unique experience and distinct experience. Um that I'm still learning to heal from, to be very honest. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about it that um, there's been a push for a lot of women in STEM, but you've also ignored the fact that um, of indigenous, black, Latino, and um, those from highly underrepresented groups that are male or non-gender binary and, all the other fluidities of genders, because um, there's we don't even have role models ourselves. And so if you look at statistics, um, I saw a recent study, recent being like 2019, 2020, um, about the fa- uh, faculty and staff in the UH system. Um, women outnumber men for, for Native Hawaiians by a factor of four. Wow. Wow. So wow, we're talking that that's that's not that's not equality. Mm-hmm. That's not even parity. No. Uh, and so, you know, we need both Kane, Wahine, and Mahu. Mm-hmm. And actually, the first gender that was birth was Mahu. Then it was Wahine. Then it was Kane. And for us, our language is not gendered. Mm-hmm. It is based on number. It's based on space and time. And so. Um, I say that in a loving way because we can see that the, there's a disproportionate and I'm just the type of person that's aloha ke kahi ke kahi, malama ke kahi ke kahi. We give love with everybody. We take care of everybody. But I do have to say my PhD experience was wonderful too because I got to meet the world. I got to learn about who I am as a kanaka. And that was not provided for my engineering program because I've heard... Um, professors tell me that I should go into political science. I should go, wow. I shouldn't, I'm not engineering material. Hmm. And they need to, um, the College of Engineering needs to, to reconcile that because my story is not the only story about that. And so um, this is not a criti- criticism towards the institution that I, I, I came from, I appreciate them because there's a lot of good that happens there. But I think this is an institutional, systematic thing across the United States because I'm part of ACES, American Indian Science and Engineering Society, SACNIS. And these programs really, I'm so grateful if you get a travel scholarship to go. Um, and I come from a 
even if you live in like middle America or anywhere, where you all come from geographically isolated places, especially if you come from humble beginnings and it's so hard to travel. So I love the pandemic because we're connecting across borderless society through Zoom mm-hmm. or other types of um, platforms. Um, I've attended more conferences on Zoom than I did in person through my, throughout my career, um, which allows me to have access. And it's about an access issue, really. Mm-hmm. Even um, like Hawaiian knowledge access issue is a very difficult thing too for Indigenous knowledge and that Indigenous knowledge itself for each different type of people is a rigorous form of study. And so um, I, I was recruited into the civil engineering program through Dr. Chitaranjan Ray. He is an amazing professor in civil engineering. Now he's, I believe, in, Nevada, in Nebraska. But he goes, I think you can get a PhD. And he stopped me at Kaikendal when I was walking down. What are you going to do after you graduate? Oh, I don't know. in Because a lot... I always had the, I, I was, I was like a 2.9 student in my undergrad. And then in my master's program, I went up to a 3.8. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it was very difficult to go through my program because they just don't know what to do with you. Um, and it's very self-motivated versus um, <clears throat> there's two sides to the story, but the way what my mom t- and reflection of my career, my 16-year career to get my PhD um, from undergrad to, to that time, from 2003 to 2019, is the way in which the gift is given is just as important as the gift itself. That will sum up my experience. Um, there is some wonderful moments that the gift was given in a way that I could receive it, but that love language book, I forget his name, that wrote the love language book, it's so true and it, um, that we all have a way in which we express our love and we also have a way in which we receive our love. The same it goes with the teaching. And because engineering is so difficult. <laughs> it's so hard. I'm not going to lie. If someone else tells you, because a lot of times... Um, what I think it is about the discipline and people talk about the average stereotype of an engineer. I think it's because the engineer needs, has not healed themselves mm. inside. You know, they, they all go, Oh, it's my personality. I can't speak. I can't, can't, can't let's remove can't. Um, it's really about um, there's hurts that happen to them and not wanting to express vulnerability or emotion. And I come from a culture that's very expressive. When I travel, I've traveled 20 plus countries learning about water and water sustainability. And in my pathway, when I say I'm Hawaiian, the very first word that comes out of them is aloha. (laughs) And then what's cool is they'll sing a song about aloha and their language to me that they made up. Wow. You know? And so, and my, my dad's, youngest brother, um, Uncle Ellery, um, Irvine, he always says, no worry, boy, your ancestors tread before you. You good. Mm -hmm. Why I didn't go into music, um, because I learned Hawaiian music, Kanikapila style. So I play classical flute, concert flute, but I also play Hawaiian concert flute, meaning 
Um, ever since I started learning at the age of eight, my dad would take me on the side. Um, he plays ukulele as well as slacky guitar. He learned the old style. You just play by ear. So he goes, boy, listen, come, play. Kani. And so I did. And then I would play uh, Kani Kapila with my ohana. And that's the gifting that we have is music, mele. Um, and so um, I got into Hanover. And this is what really sealed the deal for me to go Manoa, her undergrad was, um, oh, what should I do? He goes, boy, you don't need one. You don't need one, Paula Paula, for tell me Kani Kapila. You don't need a piece of paper to tell me that you can play music. You are the music. You are the instrument. It's for our belief, wow. it's the instrument doesn't make the music. You make the music, meaning you wow. bring life to the instrument to bring to make music. So when you talk about learning from a Kanaka context, this is the lifestyle that I was born into both as Latino and both as Hawaiian. And my abuelita always was this, said to us that I am so proud of you. Tengo mucho orgullo. Tengo tanto orgullo para ustedes. Por ti. Porque tú eres puro Hawaiano. Por de ellos. Y tú eres puro Latino. Por de mí. You are fully Hawaiian because of them. You are fully Latino because of me. None of this half blank. She adds an expletive. <laughs> really, yeah, it's really beautiful to listen to you explain these things and, and the languages that you speak and to hear you tell these stories. And as I was sitting here listening to you, I was thinking, you know, Carrero is the name of our podcast, which is means storytelling. It's Maori word for storytelling. And I feel like you right now are the epitome of our storytelling. Um, and one of the things I was thinking of as you were speaking, um, when you said that you did, you were doing engineering and your brain was doing engineering before you knew it was engineering. And I think something happens in our education, something happens in the way that we talk about formal education or the way that we approach it with, with children, where we talk them out of doing the thing it is that they love, right? Yeah. So it's like you you loved it before you knew it was engineering. And then the word, the label was put on it. And then you're like, it's really hard. And yeah, everything in life is really hard, but when it's something you really love, which is what I hear in your passion and your story, it doesn't feel as hard, right? It's a labor of love. Um, so I just wanted to jump in and say that, no question attached, but just I'm, I'm really enjoying hearing you speak of your labor of love and, and your culture connected to the way that you approach these things. I really love your comment because I just saw... Um, I love technology and I love Instagram reels. And I just forward <laughs> my best, one of my besties, Dr. Leah Lenny Kini Kini. Um, she sends me a reel and it's, I can't remember who was talking, but I just remember the message and long, long story short, you, you know, you can talk positive things to a person. If they don't want to do it, they're not going to change. But let's say you have another person and like you were just saying, like their goal is to do this. If you insert negative, any negative thing, yeah. you you can stop the growth. That could 
its potential violation is the growth. And why that's a very important thing, because I'm going to bring up mental health. Um, and it connects with korero, right? That Which is the Maori word for, the cognate for us in Hawaiian is olalo, to speak. And so um, we use the word mo'olalo for a story. And the number one uh, for Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders in Hawaii, the number one killer for men, according to the Kane Nui Akea report, is suicide. And then uh, from my understanding, I don't know the statistics very well, another one is suicide for um, similarly in New Zealand. And so the, the impact of, of words, the weight of these words, it's actually, it, I, I made up epiphany and I related this to physics, which is weight equals mass times gravity. And I said, Let's not call, let's not call words weight, but look, let's transform it and say the gravity of words because gravity affects weight. You know, the mass, the word always has a mass, but um, if you can remember, because I was going through things to my mind, like what the heck should I be here? Should I not be here? But then um, very Kanaka ways um, is to flip it and um, try to troubleshoot by looking at your ohana and how can we fix this problem. And when I say ohana, you always go to your kupuna, you always go to your elders. Not everyone's a kupuna. A kupuna meaning that the person is recognized with knowledge and is an elder. And so if we look at gravity, I can control gravity. Why? Because I can send a rocket to space and gravity gets to zero and the weight is weightless. I won't feel it anymore. And so, or I go to Pluto or I go to the moon. And so I need to learn how to send it somewhere, um, which is a very, I'm using a Hawaiian concept where we just say send it back. Meaning we don't, I just say, I just release it back. I won't do anything bad to anybody, but I don't want it to cling on to me because who wants to have doo-doo stuck on them and then smell like doo-doo? Mm-hmm. And even though I study doo water, everyone, you know, I'm the doo-doo boy. I mean, but yeah, but I mean, sometimes doo-doo is good. Other times not, you know, so mm-hmm. this is true. But, you know, mahalo ya yesu, mahalo kiakua, mahalo nakapuna. There are ways to overcome that. And many times... People just don't know, have the resources to connect to those things. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that that I'm very much in, in, intrigued by um, and fascinated by is indigenous cultures. And one of the things that I've, I've been blessed by is, is, is being able to travel to the, to the, to the islands often. Um, and then also traveling down to um, down to Mexico in order to connect there. My my emphasis in my in my undergraduate career was pre pre Colombian Mexico, um, and so one of the things that I'm very much interested in 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 hearing, and you've been talking about it, is how does both your Latino and and Hawaiian cultures. Um, inter, um, 
um, interweave within your within your within your own life? And what what are the what are the similarities? What are the what are the differences? And how how does how does this affect you? Um, and and through that, how does this affect affect the um, affect the other people in which you're um, in which you connect with? So this is the power of being hapa. Now hapa, yeah. hapa does not mean a Japanese person mixed with something else. Let's make that very clear. Correct. That is a co-opted word. Hapa, in my opinion, the way that I was raised using it around the speakers that I know is a person of part Hawaiian ancestry and part something else. So when we use the word hapa, that means that person has Hawaiian and many things, whether it's Hawaiian Japanese, Hawaiian whatever. So I'm Hawaiian Latino and other things too, but mainly identify the bloods I'm Hawaiian and Latino. That's how I am. And for me, it's, I asked a question to my um, kupuna. Uh, she's also a mentor that knew, um, knew me since I was 18 <laughs> um, at the university's Antikumeloha Gomes. And she knew I was traveling to Costa Rica. Um, and I just asked her a question, you know, what the first time I went to Costa Rica in 2005, they kept saying, I get miss everywhere I went, I get, I, People think I'm from that culture most of the times. Mm-hmm. The, the countries that I went to, not all the time, because when I went to Asian culture, um, Asian country, I went to Taiwan. I, I mean, I went to Taiwan. Sorry, I didn't mean to say Asian country. But I was trying to, <laughs> where, where was I? I definitely did not look like them. But like other places, it can be ambiguous. And so literally they'd say, oh, you're Costa Rican. You're this, you're this. I was like, um, I said, Auntie, what do I say? You know, I'm Hawaiian. And she goes, well, I'm Hawaiian Portuguese. So when I'm in Portugal, I'm Portuguese first. When I'm in Hawaii, I'm Hawaiian first. So when you're in Costa Rica, you're Latino first. Then you're Hawaiian. Why? Because they see the ancestors in you. Because even when I went to Spain, they're speaking straight. I speak Spanish well, but you know I'm not native speaker. um, And I don't get hung up by those things anymore. I'm just happy I can understand and that we can communicate. Literally, they I looked like them, they looked like me. That's how I felt um, in 2009. And then even the lady, she's like, you don't speak Castellano? It's like, no, I'm Hawaiian. I, I went with the Hawaiian card that time because I didn't want to explain my genealogy to her. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, 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 like, there's, there's good reasons like my abuelita would say is, you know, our language is our superpower, Spanish language. Um, our, our, our culture is our superpower. And so both from both angles, everyone has a culture. Even the Americans that don't remember. And they got to remember that if you're listening to this podcast, it's, oh, this doesn't include me. Well, we're indigenous to some place. If you don't know, find out. Why? Because I'm... And my ohana, we do genealogy for our ohana. Can't speak for all the other Hawaiians out there. I can speak for the Hawaiians that we account for in our ohana. Um, but I don't speak fully for my ohana either. But I can speak from what the teachings I've learned is, you know, there's always someone that paid attention. And there's always someone that knows the backstory that's not written. 
even if you were adopted out, because we have stories for that. So for being, for me being Hawaiian Latino, like let's connect it to you in Mexico and Hawaii. Um, the, the beauty about being able to speak Spanish and Facebook is I get, I get all the reels in Spanish and in English. And so in Spanish, I was watching and I was like, sal, oro, golden salt. What is this story about? Lo and behold, I didn't know until just very recently that there's salt pans in Mexico, the golden, it's like white gold, they called it. And I was just like, we have salt ponds too in Kauai. And I didn't know that's how the word salary came into existence. Which comes from salt, salt. And if you think about it, four or 500 years ago, 200 years ago, salt is the main preservative that you need to keep your food. And so if we start to do cross comparative studies, you look throughout all the cultures, salt is important. Salt. And so um, I think what's the beauty of being um, from being versed in, being versed in your multiple identities is your ability then to see with different lenses a problem in a new way. If you were raised you know, we have that because of the history of taking of Aboriginal and um, Native peoples from our people and from our culture. And we must acknowledge that and still reconcile that. That, you know, you strip them from the language. Our language was almost stripped for 100 years by the United States. 100 years. One century. We endured and survived and still trying to survive. As such... Um, I get I get berated. I get stories all the time, whether I speak in Spanish or I speak in Olala Hawaii, by um, Americans literally tell me, speak English. This is America or go back to your homeland. And then I'm really quick. I said, excuse me, you see H&L Airport? It's that way. I'm on my homeland. You can have a one-way ticket back. I'm just laughing, you know. If you never heard Olalo Hawaii, this is Hawaiian. This is the language of this land, you know? And so for a lot, the question is how deep do you know? How versed are you in this? And I think it's about approach of the humility, yeah? Of, you know, I only know so much, but, you know, with the the little gifts that Keokua has provided me, this is what I can do. So... I don't see it as siloed because we're fully a person. Remember the story about my mom? I mean, my abuelita, my mom's mom. And her view is full person. Mm -hmm. And that comes from our family story because her mother married twice. So she comes from the group number one, and then there's group number two. And we always said in Spanish, somos una familia. None of this half blank. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and so, you know, we have to move beyond that dichotomy. Yeah, I think I think you I think you hit it really well when when you when you shared that if if people are versed, um, because I think oftentimes people um, are afraid to know what their indigenous background are. Um, and, and I think if we, 
if, if, if we as people, we, we understand that, then we do have a common, we, we do have commonalities. Uh, we, 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 we have that commonality of family. We have that commonality of immigration, of migration, of, of search. Um, and I think one of the problems that, that we've been living in is we, is we don't want to find commonalities. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what's keeping us separate. Uh, yeah, Fred, and we're so quick to be like to other people, right? You're different than right. me this way rather than finding the commonalities, like you said. I think that's a function also of the word Aloha. And mm-hmm. for us, Aloha will heal the world. Antipodiyahi, I'm rephrasing it. Um, some people may have a different perspective of what Aloha means, but Alo meaning face and Ha the breath. And the greeting Honi Honi, like the Maori people themselves, is the nose to nose greeting. I will not speak on behalf of the Maori people, but I'll speak on the behalf of the Honi Honi that I understand it as. Um, that we believe in this interface, that the wholeness happens at the interface and that of that exchange of the breath of the, because the breath is the pure form of life, the air, the air, the life, the essence. And so I, I encourage people not to be afraid because um, one thing that two things, circulation is another thing we've circulated and like nomadic people, they circulate. And then the other thing is that um, we are, oh no, the other thing is that your culture is calibrated to your place. And that's what enabled us to survive. And so knowing the intimacies, so the land was born Land was born in Hawaiian, we say. New breath. Hanau keali'i. The chiefs were born. New breath. Hanau ke kanaka. New breath was given in life or birth were the, the people, our common people. And in doing so, these, these sayings that you even hear from your parents, even though they, they may be talking in English, they were talking their culture in English. giving you life examples to survive to this land through the adaptations and climate change and everything that's happening in our lives. Anyways, I would encourage people not to be afraid. That's beautiful. Well, um, I really enjoyed listening to you speak today and we want to be respectful of your time. But as we close this up, we usually ask our guests what their call to action. And that's just the one thing that uh, you want the listeners to take away from you. So what is your call to action? Great question. Ola Ikavai. There's life in the water. Um, we in Hawaii, on the island of Oahu, are experiencing a water disaster of epic proportion. 100,000 people do not have fresh water access because of the military's contamination of our aquifer system at Kapukaki or Red Hill. Um, 
Our call to action is Ola Yikavai. In, um, there's life in water. There's no substitute for water. And we will ask you that if you love Hawaii, we didn't know a part of Hawaii, Vai is fresh water. Ah. You want to keep Hawaii, Hawaii? Help us with the fresh water. Help us with moving the fuel tanks to another region that doesn't harm those communities, mm-hmm. but also doesn't harm our aquifers. We're talking millions and millions of gallons in in the ground, in a tank that's over, almost 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only 10 feet away from the aquifer. We're, we have, we're experiencing an environmental disaster. So that is my call to action. Yeah. Let's say all together. Ola. Ola. Ikavai. Ikavai. Hola, Ikavai. Beautiful. Well, Lelima, thank you so much for joining us today. I really just felt in awe of your stories and you have a gift. So thank you for sharing that and um, wish you a, a good day. And I know you said you're off to Hula, so enjoy. Mahalo. Aloha.